making rental income, whether it be on Airbnb, VRBO, but what if I said there's another platform you can be on and that's Padsplit. So you can rent out by the room. Today I'm interviewing Fernando and Amaris Corona and they're making over $2,500 per month renting by the room out of state. So they're not even there. So it's possible. And we're going to break down exactly how next. Welcome to the Cashflow Happy Hour Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Baldovino, and on this show, you can join us live as we interview investors and share how they are increasing their cash flow. So grab a drink and let's get into it. We're good. good. Yeah, yeah, we're excited. Well, thank you for joining, uh, joining me. Real quick, I know that you grabbed a beverage beforehand. What's in your glass? Hefeweizen. Yes. It's like a, a wheat. We're splitting it. We're splitting it. Cheers. Oh, cheers. And then this is one of your favorite, the mango cart. And so my buddy brought this over. It's nice. Refreshing. Yeah, refreshing. But real quick, let's just dive right into it. Let's get your story. So what got you guys into real estate investing? And I guess what is your, like, what's your portfolio look like? What asset class are you in? Yeah, portfolio, man, from the very beginning, we were all like, how do you build passive income? Mm -hmm. And so initially real estate was kind of like this, like on, we felt like it was safer. We didn't realize what the potential was because in the beginning we, we thought it was a hundred bucks a door. Right. And we were like, well, we don't want, you know, 20 properties to reach $2,000. It just, for us, didn't make sense. So we didn't really consider real estate as a passive income opportunity. Uh, so we got into like drop shipping. We got into, I don't know, all this other stuff, just trying to explore passive income. And then what happened and then uh we started seeing that other people in networks networks were getting a thousand dollars long term and doing some unique things to their long-term like homes single family homes and we yeah. said okay if they can do it then we can right and and we picked a market and we started uh seriously interviewing people like just yeah. like this and we're like how are you doing this how much are you getting per unit house how are you doing it show us your ways and we were paying people you know for their info and turns out people were doing kind of what we're, we were doing as well they're, they're switching up their basements that was really it they like they have these specific types of homes and they optimize the square footage to do a rent by the room model so we just continued to explore that and we came across Padsplit, and they made it made it easy for out-of-state investors to handle gotcha so okay, let me get this straight so you guys Look at the long term, the burr route, and you're like a hundred bucks a door. Like ah, that isn't like that is nothing for me, right? Which is significant in terms of having investment and works, but in terms of what your goals were, it's not going to move the needle. It doesn't, you know, support your family anytime quickly. Right. And so you guys pivoted to, and you guys were exploring any option to get more cash flow, and it ended up being pad split being the answer. Right. So then, why pad split versus Airbnbs? I guess just right off the bat. Well, at the moment, we only had a certain amount of money that we were allocating for investment. And so we were trying to get the most out of our money mm -hmm. with one, 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 property. one property with the least amount of management work. Yeah. Gotcha. And so that, and, man, the, Airbnb is cool for the people mm -hmm. that are in it already. Mm -hmm. But when you're looking to scale something, mm -hmm. you know, trying to do all these different pieces, you, you blow your, you, you you drive, yourself, you drive yourself crazy trying to create systems and management processes and, um, mm -hmm. you know, follow-up scripts and all that stuff. So with, we just, yeah, we, we landed on Patchplate because uh, the mission is cool. I mean, it's, it's solving affordable housing. Uh, mm -hmm. We knew people who were successfully doing it after we had connected with them. 
we I felt like we were still jumping in early. We had already explored the Atlanta market, so we knew Atlanta was somewhere we wanted to start. Mm -hmm. And we, we got into properties at a good price. Like the purchase price for that home was one hundred and sixty-five thousand. Mm -hmm. That was our first property. Wow. Okay. So to think about this a little bit more, you guys compared. If I bought a property, you said if I make it a long-term rental, sure you cash flow maybe a hundred, maybe two hundred bucks a month, and you said, "Nah, that's not good enough." <laughs> You looked at Airbnb, and I'm guessing at that point, too, you run the number and said, nah, it's not the highest and best use of the property. So instead, let me do it by the room to then further compound how much income I'm able to generate. Is that basically why? And it's just, it's different. It's a different property if you're getting an Airbnb. The property that we bought wouldn't do well as an Airbnb. And so the, the properties that would do well as an Airbnb, you started getting at the higher price points. Mm -hmm. And so that's where also we had to make a decision. Like, okay, that's getting out of where we wanted to be for uh, for our out-of-state investing goals. Yeah, we, we like to service the the member who is looking to save money, right? And save money on a weekly basis where they have a room and a shared space with utilities, air conditioner, heater, all for one cost. And yeah. Right. And, and that's not to say that, like, I, I think to your point, right? If you, maybe if we would have understood burring a little mm -hmm. bit more too, then you could burr one of those higher price homes into an Airbnb and go that route too. Yeah. Uh, and, but this way, I mean, yeah, we just, we really like it. Honestly, it's, it's, it's pretty chill. It's pretty. Okay. I mean, I think you guys made one really good distinction from the beginning, which is the market or the target tenant that you had was very different. It was the budget friendly. You wanted to provide an actual affordable option versus what a lot of the hype is on Instagram right now is luxury Airbnbs, right? And it's a very different experience. It's a very different service you have to provide that I'm sure that we're going to dive into. And because, you know, and you also mentioned something earlier that in the beginning you interviewed other operators to figure out what are you actually doing and how much do you actually make? Yeah. And so did you find other pad split folks? Cause I mean, I've done a good amount of networking too, but honestly, I haven't found that many. Yeah, we, we did find some pad split folks and actually our, our realtor who we had connected with out there, he's the first one to introduce us to it because okay. we told him what, what our goals were, what we were doing. And he's like, well, <laughs> there's this thing that I'm trying out and it's kind of new, you know, but we're killing it. And what do we just said? All right, let's, let's do it. Yeah. And what yeah, market was this? This one's in Atlanta. Atlanta, Georgia. Okay. I mean, Atlanta is a super hot Airbnb market too. So, yeah. And, and then they, they have expanded uh, since we've been there. So people are like, oh, why'd you pick Atlanta? So when PatSplit first started, just like when Airbnb first started, they, mm -hmm. they launched in like specific markets that they saw opportunity. Yeah. And that's kind of it. So we, yeah, that's how, so we kind of landed in it. We were looking at Atlanta already. We found the right realtor. The right realtor connected us with PatSplit. So it was all very serendipitous. I like it. Okay, so let's uh, break down the deal then. So you purchased it in Atlanta for what, 165, you said? Yes. So it's 165,000. I guess four pads, break down the property. How many bedrooms, baths? Yeah, so it had four bedrooms, okay. two baths. And okay. that's kind of what we look for. We look for at least two baths, one at the top, one in the basement. Mm -hmm. And what did we do? We spent... 60? Yeah, so in total, uh, so all in cash was 60, but that's including down payment. Gotcha. So, so we did a 15% down uh, investment property loan. Is that a DSCR loan? No, no, no. That was just conventional. Uh, okay. I, since I am, I'm full-time entrepreneur, show no true income, Yeah. We, uh, I had to talk to 
to the woman over here who uh, we handled her W-2 and got into some out-of-state conventional loan financing, which was nice. I like it. Uh, and yeah, they, so there is 15% down options, financing options for out-of-state investors. You mm -hmm. are going to pay PMI still, but mm -hmm. that, that's okay because your cash flow, less cash in the deal, which is nice. Yeah. So 15% down, you got to do the math there. And then basically- yeah, 45 we, left ish and then right. what about rehab was there a significant amount of rehab for a 165k home in atlanta the rehab went to we call it improvements in terms of like you gotta, you gotta add all the framing to for the additional rooms so we turned mm -hmm. the four bed two bath into an eight bed two bath and okay. we we sectioned off the living room and the basement the basement we swapped out all the locks to be like pin code locks we actually furnish everything. So everything, every room has a bed, an armoire, a stand. So um, it has blinds, it has a window, you know, every room does. And that's gosh. what we do. Okay, hold on. So <laughs> you- Is that a good gosh? Or is that like, I can't, this sounds like way more work, gosh. What's no, just... I mean, work is, rel is relative. I mean, yeah. I'm assuming that you didn't frame the bedrooms yourself, but you took, and you added four more bedrooms. So you doubled the amount of bedrooms. Like, did you know buying the property, you're like, oh yeah, we're definitely going to put fit four more bedrooms here. Like, where did you find the space for four more bedrooms? That's exactly yeah, how, yeah, that's, that's exactly. That, that was our, our, our research, right? When we were looking for deals, we were looking for a finished basement because um, mm -hmm. that was going to help us not to put in so much money in the deal. And that's mm -hmm. also where our, most of our basement um, space is available, right? So we looked for a specific type of home in Atlanta that yeah. uh, provided that extra space for those four or three additional. Yeah, it, we were super intentional based off of how we're looking at it. How do you feel about that in, the, in your market where, you know, you're looking for a specific type of property before you even buy it because of the exit strategy maybe you want to do? I mean, how? Yeah, I mean... Exactly like you said, it is all based off of however you want to operate the property. So if I'm thinking about midterm rentals, and obviously if my primary target market is going to be travel nurses, it better be darn close to the most popular hospitals. And that's right. the specific quality of a property I need. Yep. And so you guys are specifically looking for, is there a room in the basement for three to four more bedrooms, basically? So that's just one criteria. Um, if, if we're spilling the beans here on, on, on a few more pieces of criteria, right. And how yeah. to find the right property, 50% of the members on pad split don't own a car. So they take public transport. If you know that, then you want to ideally be in a property that's within walking distance to a bus stop. Mm -hmm. And so for us, you know, we've been lucky enough to basically get all our properties and all the people that we've introduced to it, all their properties, less than five minute walk to a bus stop. So that's really been really cool. And then, you know, other people can have a car that that's fine. So they can still have a car there, but that's another one that we do. If it's next to like grocery stores, right. You want to be in like a good area again, walking mm -hmm. distance. That's a huge bonus. We talked about the two stories. That's a, that's a big plus. Uh, what else are we, what else are we taking? Mm. We're also looking for something that's not like a complete, like, let's rehab it all right at the beginning of our our journey we we mm -hmm. weren't trying to spend so much money to get it ready for that we were trying to put a lot of the money into furnishing into getting those extra rooms so. gotcha. yeah. okay so and just for the viewers who are watching live thanks so much i i do want to show a little bit of what pad split is just so that you can get an idea and so this is 
I guess who like who put you onto this first off? Yeah, it was the that realtor, the realtor that we had partnered with in Atlanta, a super chill dude. And he basically just told us, hey, this is what I what I've been doing. He had one of his own and he showed mm -hmm. us how it was performing. He mentioned it, it was a little risky because this was two years ago. Mm -hmm. and, it, and that was right. We launched in the in April of April. 2020. Mm -hmm. uh, 2021, great. April of 2021. So it was a situation where like, yeah, we, we, during COVID, is this going to be worse for COVID, better for COVID? There was a lot of unknowns. It, it definitely was a little risky since we were the, it was our first out-of-state property. We were the first mm -hmm. ones in our families to ever buy a property out-of-state and out of our friends group, mm -hmm. um, let alone buy it in this fashion. So we knew the risk we were taking. Yeah. Luckily, it, it wasn't my money at the time. <laughs> it was hers. <laughs> there. You know, yeah. but, but George is his, so there's that. Yeah, that's cool. Just okay, so as I'm looking at Pad Split real fast, so they're in their, how long has the company? I guess, uh, 2017. 2017. And they're yeah. in, it looks like, five major markets, Atlanta, yeah. Dallas. And they just Houston. launched in Vegas. Okay. Jacksonville, Richmond, and Vegas. And their target person that's coming onto their platform is those who are looking for furnished, affordable housing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. yeah. The situation, average in Atlanta, at least, average mm -hmm. income is like 25 grand. Okay. And this is crazy when I found it out, but the minimum wage in Atlanta is $7.25. Gotcha. And yeah. so, uh, so if you do like 14 bucks an hour, let's say just, I think 14 bucks an hour, that's, that's 25,000 a year, I think. So just, it, it's a, it is a different, you know, tenant, you know, who okay. we're, who we're looking at target. And then let's just break down like what it looks like. So if someone is staying on pad split on average, let's take this eight bedroom house. How long is their lease? Is it a yearly still, or what does that look like? It's on a weekly basis. Um, okay. And most of our members stay on around six to, six eight. to eight months. Yeah. Okay. We've had one member be on for more than a year. And since it's, it is weekly, you know, the weekly rate, if you want to call it that, ranges for us between 155 to 193 per week. Okay. Without doing, we don't have to crazy math, but basically yeah. that adds up to like between 600 and 800 bucks per okay. room. Per room. Got right. it. So let's just say it's, if it's, 600 bucks a month, you know, then you're at 4,800, which we, mm -hmm. we've had some low months where on the low month, it was like 4,300 in, in revenue. Mm -hmm. And on, on the high months, we're at like 5,700 in revenue. Okay. And then, yeah. As I'm trying to think about the difference between this and short-term rentals, right? Yeah. So you're renting it by the room on a per week basis. How, like, do they, if... Sunday comes, you're like, I'm not renewing by, or do they give you advance notice? Like, how do you deal with those vacancies? Yeah. I mean, the, honestly, the vacancies, we just launched our pad split. All right. Mm -hmm. uh, two weeks ago in the first week we had six rooms booked mm -hmm. and th those people, those six people are going to be there for probably six to eight months. Gotcha. So I mean, even when there's a vacancy, it's probably for less than two weeks. So we're, we're losing maybe, you know, a couple hundred bucks, but then the next person moves in, they pay a move-in fee mm -hmm. and that, that usually covers us because we have to pay a cleaning fee to, to flip the room. But instead of flipping the room seven times on average per month, which is like an Airbnb, I think is like five to seven times a month. Mm -hmm. Yep. We only have to flip it once every six to eight months. And since they are extended midterm stay tenants, it seems like. Yeah. They are in charge of the laundry. Mm -hmm. Yep. 
how about like bathroom and communal spaces? Do you have a cleaner come in there once a week, basically? Or how does that work out? Not once a week. I'd say like once a month. Okay. Once a month. One, yeah, that's probably more reasonable. And we, in our property manager, we have a property manager on the on the floor over there. Mm-hmm. So they're the ones that are, you know, handling all our tickets, handling all the subcontractors. You know, somebody, if something happens, yeah, they, they handle all that stuff. Does the property manager live on site, like in one of the units or no? No, 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 okay. they're just, they just manage our pad split, just like a, like a property manager. Yeah. They, I mean, since, since pad split launched, they started their company. So we were okay. one of their first clients actually. And then what's their split? Is it like 10% of revenue or how does that work out? Eight, 8% of revenue. Okay. So pad split takes 12% mm-hmm. and then uh, property management takes eight. So off the bat, 20% goes to property management. And some people would be like, well, wow, that's a lot, but that's for like no work. And now you're hundred percent, like you're a hundred, hundred percent passive. So if someone says that like the toilet's clogged and you need to get a plumber, you don't do that. The property manager does. Right. Yeah. They're in charge of the cleaners. They do all that. Right. Yep. And they're 8%. Yeah. And it's, they're awesome, man. They're, uh, because I love their family. (laughs) They're uh, a mom pop, you know, husband and wife. And they're so cool because, you know, they're not this crazy, huge property management company that doesn't respond to you on the weekends. Yeah. Uh, we, we're on like a text basis with them. Mm-hmm. So it's been, it's been honestly a really good experience with them. Gotcha. So did you pick Atlanta because of PadSplit or did you pick Atlanta and then discover that PadSplit was in it and you were like, yeah. all right, let's try it. Yeah. I think initially we were looking for what our the people that were mentoring us were doing, right? And they were doing it out in Tennessee. And I said, okay, we just need to find somewhere like Tennessee that has a basement. You know, you don't find basements here in California as much. Mm -hmm. So we were thinking, all right, we have two long-term tenants. The top one pays the mortgage. The bottom one is our cash flow. Right. And so that's the idea that we shared with our realtor. And he's the one that said, hey, we don't do that really, but we have something like this. So so then that made us stay in Atlanta more instead of picking a different market. So Mm -hmm. yeah, we found Atlanta. Mm -hmm. We found the had split Mm -hmm. because we were already looking in Atlanta. And that is one of our exit strategies. In the worst case, people always tell us like, well, what happens if they they shut down rent by the room? Or what happens if they start to regulate this like they regulate Airbnb, right? Okay, well, in the worst case scenario, we now have two separated floors. They both have, you know, their own bathroom. And then on the bottom side, we can just add like another kitchen. Mm-hmm. And then now we can turn that into whatever, a three bed, one bath on the bottom floor uh, with the kitchen and the top floor as well or something. And just mm-hmm. do a, turns into a duplex basically. Yeah. Or so you can that, Airbnb it or, or midterm rental it. Or you can midterm rental it. Right. And then at that point, yeah, you, you have other creative strategies. Uh, so that's, yeah, that's kind of how it is. Good explanation. That's yeah. awesome. Okay. So let me just break it down and actually... We had a question here, but I think we answered this. So thanks for sharing. How hard, easy it to manage? It seems like you have a property manager. So I would hope that we answered your question. If anyone else is watching this live, feel free to leave your questions down in the comments below. We'll try and do another Q&A session towards the end. Likewise, also if you're on Instagram, you can do the same. But, okay, so my question is for you now. Let's talk about the communal spaces. Because I feel like that, I don't know. I used to work in higher ed with (laughs) freshman students. And so I would hear all the dorm problems. And I'm sure that happens with your guys' property too. Like, how do you deal with the refrigerator, with the shelving spaces, since it is all communal space? Yeah, so right away, we learned that from our first pad split. And when we launched our second one, we already had two refrigerators in there. 
Uh, same thing with the trash cans. Like we already ordered a second trash can, so we don't have to worry about the trash. Yep. So we try to position them them to have uh, a good, you know, environment to start mm -hmm. off with. And but you know, there's still people. So yeah. people will still get annoyed with other people. You'll I'll see tickets in there like you know so and so so dirty. They leave the bathroom so dirty, and so again that's property man. I mean I see the tickets, I see the notifications, but that's the property manager who handles that conversation. And, but so far it hasn't driven people away, you know, yeah. to the point of like, I'm getting out of here because, uh, because somebody else, not that we've seen at least. Gotcha. And then are the shelves like assigned per unit? So it's like this shelf is for unit one, this shelf is for unit <laughs> two, or how does that work? We haven't, no, we, haven't we haven't done, done that. that. We haven't, we haven't had anybody complain about that actually. Okay. So right now it's not an issue. Well, good. Because I know that people have mooched off of my food when I had roommates. So uh, <laughs> who stole this? That's yeah, I know that's. Uh, yeah, if you guys are looking for another hack, I know that's one that I actually got from another guest that I had on the show who does house hacking in Sacramento. And so mm -hmm. they have their shelves specific. It's a five bedroom house, and they live in it as well. And so mm -hmm. they have every single cabinet labeled. And you are like, it is the worst crime in the world to go into somebody else's cabinet without permission. So. <laughs> yeah could be something i do that is so fun so then you bought a second unit was that also in atlanta or was that in a different market now no in atlanta as well yeah in atlanta no because we, we know the market i mean i don't know if do you buy elsewhere or do you are you kind of sticking where you where you have your contractor and your team are you, are you uh no i guess we've been in three different markets in the six months so <laughs> yeah okay so i mean i'm curious to hear what you think we our opinion is we already have the team in atlanta we already know the market. Let's and it's not like it's saturated. So mm -hmm. let's scale in there. What yeah. what was your thought process when you explored the other markets? Holy crap! This deal is above a twenty five percent cash on cash return. Let's just buy it. All right. That's and cool. then my wife was like, <laughs> she actually said the same exact thing that you did. She told my business partner and I, "Hey guys, we already have a whole team in Columbus. Do we have to really go into another market?" No, the deal is so good. Yeah. <laughs> We are now learning that being in different markets does cause a little bit more problems just because it's, it's hard to keep tabs on all the different players in place, all the different vendors that you have. Right. And if you need the, hey, the runner to just go over there and do something really fast, now you have to have three runners in different markets, mm -hmm. or actually six if you have the backups too. So, Yep, it's you have to create different systems. And that was yeah. exactly it. I think because I had already started uh, other businesses, Mm -hmm. I kind of was aware of that when we were starting this one. It was like, yeah. it's not, even if I was getting 25% or cash on cash ROI in this other market, mm -hmm. it's not worth the time to set the team up there. And like you're saying, create all these systems yeah. to repeat them over here. It's like, no, you, until you saturate your market you're in, I wouldn't go elsewhere. And so that's kind yeah. of where we're at. So what are you guys looking for now? Are you guys looking for more pad splits or what's the plan? Yeah, we're, we're in our, so we've helped other people after we did proof of concept, we mm -hmm. helped my brother out and then we helped some friends out and then we got into our second one and now we're in contract on a third one. So we're, yeah, we're looking to be in 10 pass splits by the end of the year. That's our. Wow. I like it. Yeah. That's some aggressive scaling. And, and ambitious. Yeah. It's yeah. Amb Cause now we have the goal, you know, last year, last year, our goal was stay alive, bring this, make sure the baby stays alive. She was just, she was born. Mm -hmm. um, you know, watch and breathe. Totally. Yeah, watch and breathe. <laughs> so, I, I, so I'm not the only one that did, that did that. Is that no, common? No, no I, I've talked to a lot of parents that when you have a newborn, and for those who don't know as well, I have an eight month old and a, almost four. And yours is how old? 
15 months. Okay. Yeah. I mean, he's just pointing like, shoot, just like, don't kill it. And that's, <laughs> that, and that's the only barometer of success. So yeah. <laughs> it's horrible yeah, to say. That, that was um, a huge, that was a huge, uh, took up a lot of time. Right. Yeah. Um, and we didn't, again, we didn't think, we didn't know how pad split was going to turn out. So last mm -hmm. year was our first full year with a pad split. So we were kind of hesitant to scale, especially, yeah. But then once we went through the whole year, I think our low, yeah, like I said, our, our lowest month, I don't know, man, our lowest month, maybe we made a thousand dollars in cash flow. And that's so that's, so that's where we said, no, this is it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So then my other question is, I know that more cities are cracking down on short-term rental uh, right. and just the zoning and STRs because pad split is on a month to month, I'm sorry, on a week to week basis. How is that impacted by permits? Do you guys have a short-term rental permit or is Atlanta or the market that you're in a little different? How does that work out? No, we are a long-term tenant. We have a long-term tenant signed with Pat Split. Signed with Pat Split. So our LLC signs their LLC as the long-term, the one-year lease. And then under their LLC, they sign a sublease, tenant lease with each of the, the tenants. So your LLC is subleasing from leasing, you guys? Is leasing, is leasing, leasing to Pat Split. To Pat Split. Oh, to pad split and pad split is then lease subleasing it out. So pad yeah. split the arbitrager. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they, they charge 12% for that whole, the whole Shabbatl. Interesting. It, it is. It, it feels like a lot. I know when I talk to people like 12% is, is pretty high, but they do all the marketing, they get all the members, they do all the screening, they do the background checks. Mm -hmm. They're checking that they have income. They don't do credit score pools. They actually help the members increase their credit score while they're in there. Mm -hmm. So they don't do that. Uh, and it's a pay by the week. I like, I really like the pay by the week model. Yeah. Cause they don't like just uh, this past week, we had one member who like was uh, falling behind by like, mm -hmm. every, every, I think, sorry, they were falling behind by like a week and a half, let's mm -hmm. say. Payments. And so they get like a termination warning. And so they, it doesn't allow them to fall behind on their payments without mm -hmm. being, you know, terminated, let's say. And then for evictions or anything else like that, is that just your normal, your normal eviction process that you would follow with the city sheriff comes in or whatever the department is? And pulls yeah, you, I mean, there's there's more of the process in the beginning of like you try to negotiate with them, mm -hmm. try, maybe try to do the cash for keys thing. Yeah, where you're like, hey, if I just pay you, you know, three hundred bucks, will you move out? Uh, we've only had to deal with one eviction. Okay, and then yeah, that was when they were just totally refusing to leave. And then we had to go to court for the hot process. It took like three months. Mm -hmm. So it did suck because that's lost revenue. Mm -hmm. But even in those three months, I think our cash flow is still like 1800 bucks. Yeah, dude, that's awesome. That's amazing. So it wasn't like, we were, we were actually pretty grateful. Yeah. But, uh, and that was during COVID. During COVID. Okay. I mean, that is, that is such an interesting model. Like I've never, I've never heard of Pats, but obviously they, don't, they are only in a few different markets. If you guys are just tuning in, let me share pad split with you. I guess because of the demographic, you don't need to furnish it to the nines like you would on Airbnb. I would right. Assume. You just need a comfortable, safe place to live. Right. Like just a, how a, much, yep. So like how much per bedroom did you spend furnishing that unit? We estimate because to, to do the whole repairs, I mean, just mm -hmm. to, to do everything for each room, we estimate 5,000. Okay. Per room. And that's including and rehab for it, though. That's including the rehab, right? Everything. Because sometimes they have to put new ducts in, right, for the HVAC. Yeah. Uh, they have to uh, do electrical. So there's a lot that has to happen with each of those rooms. Mm -hmm. So we just, we, we estimate five grand. 
and mm-hmm. and our contractor is awesome. They they furnish everything in their package deal. They they put in all the the furnishings, all the equipment, everything. So it's just they they basically deliver it to us turnkey. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. I mean, this is pretty cool. It is. It's clean houses at 150 bucks a week. So that's $600 a month, which does make it more affordable. And you can potentially get a nicer place to stay versus renting out the entire house yourself. And a lot of them, sometimes they, if they don't have a credit score, then it's really hard for them to get their own place anyways. Mm -hmm. Right. Or if they don't, they don't have to put a security deposit here. Yeah. So with another rental spot, they're going to have to put up a security deposit, but this is why for them, it's also a midterm rental. Like mm-hmm. the, the end goal for them isn't to stay here forever. The end goal for them is to build up their credit, build up their security deposit so they can in six, eight months, move out, go get their own place. I like it. I mean, these are really clean houses that are on here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do like that the that the decor is minimal. Again, the highlight is just on a safe, clean place, yeah. I'm sure. Uh, if anyone who's watching, it is very different than Airbnb, but it is, I mean, I can see this as, this is better than my budget house that I was living in Hawaii during grad school with like <laughs> cockroaches inside. It was just a disgusting house that I lived in for. And a, a question that gets asked to us is like, oh, do we have to buy in the, in the, let's say beat up towns of Atlanta? And yeah, and we, and we don't, you know, we, we're buying in good areas. So the property is going to hold their value or we don't, that's, so yeah, it's a, it's a good spot. Yeah. Where we're buying the properties. Gotcha. No, I mean, that's, Congratulations. Pat looks, I, I'm going to explore this a little bit more because that's, I'm just thinking about like the numbers on a four bedroom house that, you know, six, seven, eight hundred dollars a month. And it's a yeah. big lot. It, it's, it's pretty cool. Yeah. It's, it's unique for sure. We didn't, we didn't see that many people doing it. And I mean, there's people renting by the room for sure out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Passwood just really provides that platform, which for out of state investors to easily manage it. Yeah. And I think what's really good too, if there's investors that are, on watching this video, these are decently affordable markets. Yeah. And I'm sure that if you're now doing it by the room, it was pretty darn hard not to find a deal that's above the 1% rule. I would just make a quick assumption. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's true. Let's see a quick, for anybody who's like looking into it, if the home is under, mm-hmm. then it, it's going to do pretty well. If the home is under two hundred fifty thousand, once this once the home starts getting over three hundred, mm-hmm. you need to, you need to get a little more creative. You probably need a third bathroom. Yeah, uh, yeah, you'll need to do some additional things. But if the home's under two fifty, then you'll you'll be cash flowing for sure. And can the so you have a two bedroom? It's not like the bathrooms are assigned either. So any of the tenants can use any of the bathrooms at any time as long as they're free and open. They yeah. they kind of self organize at that point. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's you're not the target market you're, you're probably thinking like man gosh that sounds no I'm just kidding <laughs> no i mean in 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 college i don't care now my wife no matter what she doesn't want to share a bathroom with anybody so <laughs> that's true yeah, yeah <laughs> usually now they're they're you got to think they're probably working at amazon warehouse mm-hmm. you know yeah. or they're working at a grocery store mm-hmm. uh they're single probably in their 20s or 30s and they're just trying to trying to get on their feet like okay. That's really a situation. Yeah. They're, and they're mm-hmm. trying to live closer to work. Right. Cause like I said, these, these areas that we're buying in, yeah, it's a, they're $165,000 homes, which is, uh, which is a lot, you know, to, to put a down payment or something like over there and everything. 
So if you calculated your cash on cash return, like what are you getting when you're analyzing deals now? Like 165. So the one that the one over there, I mean, the one in 2020, our current property is like over 30%. Okay. So that's not normal though. That's not yeah. normal. Uh, so today we will, we'll be between 15 and 20. And uh, if I'm at 15, I'm very conservative. I'm, mm -hmm. I know I'm probably going to get 20. Yeah. But so I, I like to live in that 15 to 20 range mm -hmm. and that's like 10% vacancy. You know, we're doing uh, 200 bucks a month to maintenance. Yeah. Which is just kind of what we've seen for the past year mm -hmm. that we lock up. That's the 20%, 8% goes to property management, 12% goes to pad split. So mm -hmm. after all that, after all said and done, we're looking at still a 20% cash on cash ROI. And the money you're putting in is going to be right now, 60 to 80 grand. Mm -hmm. if you don't know how to do better burrs, which we're, 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 this is going to be our first like burr. Yeah. But it's not going to be a perfect burr, but we don't care about it being a perfect burr because mm -hmm. we just, we're going to be burring into a pad split. So for us, we're just trying to get less money in the deal. Mm -hmm. You know, that's really, that's really our, so if we, so typical, typically if you're at 60 to 80 grand, that's average to get into a pad split. If you're burning, you know, and you can get under 60 grand cash, uh, cash all in, you're mm -hmm. doing pretty well. Wait. And so I think I may have just had another aha moment just for me. Are you talking about the burr process? Obviously, I mean, how did you guys fund the burr? Is that hard money, cash? You guys had private money? So, well, we're in the process right now. So we're okay. on the third property. This is the one that we're going to be buying. Mm -hmm. Man, I, I've been, this has been a fun, a very fun learning experience. Okay. Originally, I was going to buy it with a construction and perm loan. Are you familiar yep. with those? Okay. okay. Yeah. And, and then we're going to do that with a bank. And then mm -hmm. it turns out that the bank's process for qualifying the DSCR is like the rental income minus all this, all these expenses that they just kind of standardize and put up. Mm -hmm. and, then it's, and then it's divided by the, the mortgage, the PITI. Yep. That's, that's what the bank did. But when I was doing my DSCR research in other, like the, another lender I work with, mm -hmm. they just do, Hey, what's the rental income divided by the mortgage divided by the PI mm -hmm. in your experience? What, what have you seen with that? Or have you had to use one? I mean, I've never actually done a DSCR loan. I've done hard money for like fix and flips or fix and burrs. So where mm -hmm. I would do the, you know, 10% interest at, you know, one or two points and then cash out refi afterwards. Right. And that, that's what we're moving into. That, that's basically yeah. what we're going to have to end up doing right now. But I was trying to explore that construction perm loan, yeah. which uh, I do want to use that in the future because you, you don't have to pay the, the points twice on the mm -hmm. hard money and on the refi. Yeah. So I know that's one that I, I definitely want to use. Okay. Forward. Yeah. Well, when you get that term sheet, I am, when we're talking about social media, plugging that in, I got a buddy, I don't know if you've met him, Jason Kane yet, but he's a lender no. and I'm going to help him with his reels. And I said that I want to do a section with him where he is breaking down other people's term sheets. So it's like, Hey, I'm a lender. Let me, you know, rate your term sheet. So yeah. Go down. Here's the points. Here's the whatever. All right. That's four stars. That's three stars. That's five stars. Right. Can I have fun on that play? Okay, yeah. cool. No, sounds fun. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But talking about social media, there's not many people who I also know are aggressively as just like posting on social media like you, Fernando, and it seems like, Amaris, maybe you're diving into it, but we'll dive into that one later. Like, I guess, what's your guys' take and, you know, goal with social media? What's my, what do you, what do you think my goal is? 
to be, yeah, he loves to share, share all the goods and the bads, mm-hmm. the ups and the downs, the family side. So I'd say his goal is to, to share his journey with everybody. And he's open to teaching anybody who reaches out. So his goal is just to reach as many people yeah. with what he has. No, she's, she's spot on. It's, uh, I never, I knew that like, uh, I was entering entrepreneurship. And yeah. if you go back to one of my very first videos uh, in the first six months of me being an entrepreneur, I made $300 and, and that was leaving like almost a six figure income going to mm-hmm. making $300 in six months. And I recorded a video and I posted it and I shared it with my network at that time because I, I let people know, like, you know, it's not all, it's not all sunshine and rainbows. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't, I didn't want to share. I didn't want our life to be sunshine and rainbows. Like that's not reality. Like reality is like ups and downs. And so I wanted to, to be transparent. So I try to share my stories when of our losses and our wins and our struggles and our, and all that stuff, because it's just authenticity. I think that's what I, what I'm really want, trying to go for. Yeah. Like share the journey from like start to finish and try to inspire others to, to do the same. No, I like it. I like it. So do you believe then, oh, not that one. Let's go to this one. <laughs> uh, so do you have separate business and personal accounts or do you have it all wrapped into one? I'm going to just, Fernando, for you. And then I want to dive into your zombies afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I used to think I wanted to create different ones. And then after a while, I just realized this is uh, way too time consuming. And so now I only have one account <laughs> and it's Fernando Corona. I like it. And then I'm going to there was something really funny happening in the green room before the show where I also asked Amrish just how, what she does with social media. And we found something new that she did today that Fernando didn't even know that I made them not dissect until this moment. So Amrish, you said that you just turned your social media from private to public. Yes, just did that this morning. And <laughs> Why'd you do it? Why now? I've been asking her for like two years and it's like, what? You did it this morning of all morning? You know, I, I am his number one supporter. I love sharing his his stories and you know a lot of people meet Fernando and um, meet me later on and so I said why not like I I, I don't post a lot but I do love uh, reposting Fernando and sharing our our baby's mi- uh, milestones so mm-hmm. you'll get a lot more baby photos if you follow me <laughs> I like it but, yeah. yeah and I'm always like my friends uh will sometimes DM her or like message yeah. her right and they're like dude how does Amy not like me? She hasn't like accepted my friend request. She doesn't like respond to my messages. And I'm like, nah, she's just, that's just the way she is sometimes. Yeah, it's just been private for a really long time because of like my work that I do. And I'm just a teacher who, you know, there's a lot of students on social media. And so. Trying um, to be low key. Yeah, just trying to stay under the radar, not share, not have them see what I'm doing over the weekend. Yeah. What, what about what about you and your wife, Josh? Yeah, we're very opposite. I mean, I guess we're kind of like the same with you. She's, for me, I think everyone knows that I'm an oversharer. So there's that. Uh, my wife, she's on at this point now, like conspiracy mom TikTok. What? Her, what, what is that? Conspiracy. Maybe uh, I'm a reason to know. Just you know, being a being a teacher and in the child education space is that there's just a lot of unfortunately weirdos out there as you can hear my baby out here right but she is completely private because mm. of that so we just have yeah. that varying and it's just part of the game right, right, right. oh i get what you're saying yeah yeah yeah. 
Okay. Well, awesome. Let me let me see if you have any comments. We'll we'll wrap up here in a second. But if you have any comments or questions for Fernando or Amaris, drop them in the comments down below. I guess you know as we're talking a little bit more about social media, like was there a time where you were scared or embarrassed to post? Like I'm sure that happened when you did that when you posted that I only made three hundred bucks in six months video. So how did you overcome that? Accepting where you are. You have to accept where you are. That's like the step one, because when you accept where you are, you know that, you know, you're going to keep push for me. I would, I, this is where I am, but it's not where I'm going to end up. Like I have to just keep going. And so, uh, I just had that in my mindset and that was really it. So posting and, and I wanted, I actually made the video for future Fernando. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I didn't even make it for, for the people I, I wanted to share it there, but I was like, Hey, future Fernando, man. Like, I just want you to remember that, like. This sucks. <laughs> and I had this sign of like the, you know, the typical iceberg where like on mm -hmm. the bottom it says like hard work, grit, da, 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 da. and on the top it says success. Yeah. So I had that and I just looked at it like, man, I, this poster is so cliche, but people don't understand how true it is. And so this video is so that people can see that I'm at the bottom. Like I'm not at the top. I'm at the, I'm at the bottom where you're not seeing, you're not seeing anything. You're, you're seeing the grit, the hard work, the tears, the crying, the self-doubt, all that stuff that's existing is all on the bottom. But the base is the strongest part. And then we build on top of it. And then, yeah. And you, uh, you get to live life you want. I like it. Yeah. That acceptance piece is, is super hard. I mean, my wife and I have a, a similar video that's unposted of like, I don't know. Is this worth it? It's hard. I don't have to do. We're stuck here. And like, yeah. just even be able to document that journey for yourself to reflect on is super powerful. So if anyone who's watching this is looking for an excuse to even just start making content, you don't have to post it, but right. it is, it's, it's a way oh, of journaling. That's a, that's a good, that's a good point too. Yeah. Journaling. Oh, I, didn't, I haven't thought about video journaling. Mm -hmm. I do written journaling, but video journaling is pretty cool. Dude, that's what YouTube and social media is now too, especially if you're just kind of summarying the deals that you're working on or the project that's yeah. happening like i now look back on my first videos i'm like man it's fun and you see the <laughs> setup change and you see everything else evolve but like you yeah. know the little small steps that you took because you're not going from zero to fully produced right away you know yep no that's definitely true i think uh, the setup we have here has been two years in the making mm -hmm. that light behind us you know the the blue light or whatever like that it takes time to build and learn even using these tools like uh, StreamYard, all that stuff that learning how to use it, you know, in the right way, it's all skills, man. It's all skills that, that you're learning. Now, are, are you learning that because of your, your job or are you learning that because you're of, of this? It was a little bit of both when COVID hit because of my job, I, you know, being in marketing and the young kid in marketing, I guess I could say, especially yeah. in the wine industry, they just said, Hey, can you figure out how to make virtual tastings work? Hmm. And I got tasked with basically playtime of test all the platforms, all of the products, whatever else you need. And so that was just a fun added benefit. And now I get to make reels for work. I get to do the virtual That's tasting. Cool. And so I'm doing the exact same thing. Just instead of talking about cash flow, I'm talking about, oh, this cab is really nice. It has nice legs. Da, 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 da. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, let's 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 start the last round, the last call. Uh, and actually, we're gonna start with a different question that I didn't put on the notes for you guys. Ooh. But if you had to give one tip for anyone who's looking into hosting on pads uh, on pad split, what would it be? What would yours be? An advice about posting on to pad split. Mm -hmm. uh, hosting. hosting or about well, them becoming a host, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
I can go while yeah. while you while okay. you think about it. So, I would say when you're first starting out, uh, I'm going to talk to maybe the more experienced. Uh, is your audience typically more experienced or like starting out? I think it's a mix of both, like beginner to medium. Yeah, no. So, I'm going to talk to basically the people what I'm going to be doing now. So, if you're in investing or if you're already in investing and you know about burrs and you know about all that stuff, then start with wholesalers. Like my strategy right now is really going to be getting with wholesalers, getting properties and trying to get them significantly under market value. Um, even try to work seller financing deals out or something, right? Like that's going to be my strategy. So that way I can do a burr into a patch split because I know the patch split model works now. And uh, now we, we are, we have more skills so we can go and do a burr into a patch split and then boom, get less cash in the deal, more equity and start cash flowing the amount we're getting. So that's kind of the the suggestion I would do. Like MLS is cool, but if you're already seasoned and you got experience and just go straight into working with off-market deals. I like it. And really for anyone who's watching, the off-market stuff is just, it's like a, you're just talking to a different person. Right. And so the, the, the deals are different. They're not on the MLS. Better than that, there's just no agent quoting the transaction. You kind of just do it yourself, which is not impossible. Also, you can have an agent represent you on the buyer side to a wholesaler too. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's still possible. So if anyone wants to bridge the gap, like I've done that just because I didn't want to deal with the paperwork or having to read through to make sure that what my terms are there. So if you buy yep. the deal cheap enough, you know, there's still room for anyone to help you through. All right, Amaris, what's yours? Yeah, I say <laughs> if somebody wants to log in or become a, a host on Patsfoot, is to find somebody who's already doing it and message them. I would say find them on Instagram, find them on social media through YouTube and see how much knowledge they can give you to give you that confidence to, to do it because that's how we learn by asking those questions and talking to people about what our goals were and that drove us into Patsplay. And they, and they might find something different. Yeah. I think because it, it, it really does come down to goals. Like what do what do they want their life to look like and stuff, right? And yeah, what do they what do they want to do? Yeah. Well, I mean, clearly you guys have found a nice little niche that not a lot of people are talking about. You guys are finding a way to rent by the room, hundred percent systematized, hundred percent passive, making over twenty five percent cash on cash return. Brenton by the room, man. That's just like yeah. kudos <laughs> to you. All right, the last question I have before we close out is what was the most memorable drink you've ever had? Who'd you have it with? And what made it so memorable? Ooh. I have my I have my answer on there, babe. And that was the the, the one that you I tell a story. Yeah, well, so for me, I don't know why. I mean, I, maybe I maybe I do know why, but my most memorable drink right now is uh it's with with my my beautiful wife here it was our second date and we went out to get beers and we got food and i just remember like we were drinking beers like we we're sitting on these like stools remember that was on these stools and and i i was walking around the, the counter to go get the food from the cash register oh yeah, yeah and i yeah. just i just have that like vivid memory of like us taking these actions and just being together and i just remember thinking like looking at her and i might have just stopped mm. and been like ah oh, I'm really here. Like I'm really here in this moment with her where she, we're having it. And that's just been with me. So now I just, that's very, yeah. Oh, the quaint and chill. Yeah. So she, we're looking for like a quaint <laughs> and chill 
spot. And so for me, that that's my mo most memorable drink that I've had with somebody. And that's you. You had some time to think about these questions. I did. Not just that one. Well, something quick, most memorable drink. Maybe our wedding. We had this champagne mm -hmm. tower with our friends and family. Mm. So, yeah, it was just such a special moment with just immediate family yeah. members and our college friends enjoying our us getting married. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, I, I like this question because you get it like to peek into someone's just like past and their soul and like just a, a, a really unique memory for them. So second date and weddings, obviously. Yeah. What, what was yours? Mine, man, I've actually, I've never actually noticed on the podcast, but one of mine is uh, when I was going to grad school, I was at my best friend's house. And at this point she was living with her parents and her boyfriend and they were there and they actually both fell asleep. And I've known their family for, I don't know, since I was like late in high school now, you know, I'm going off to grad school yeah. and I uh, was teaching her brother martial arts. And then I was leaving and moving away. And so the dad came out and he's uh, Vietnamese Chinese. He pulls out this huge glass cask and he puts it on the table and there was exotic animal parts fermenting in what? Uh, Martel XO, like for years. Uh-huh. Uh, I don't know. I, I, the, I'll just say exotic animal parts and I'll leave it at that. Cause I think YouTube will probably flip out some of the stuff then, yeah. uh, but he like <laughs> pulled out a ladle, like poured two glasses of it. What? And then we, like, we cheers. He's like, Oh, you know, I only pull this out for special occasions. And obviously like right. you see these parts floating around in the glass. What? Like, what was the actual, what's the base? Like, what was the base? <laughs> it was uh Martel cognac. What? It was like the XO. Oh, cognac. Got it. Um, got it. Got it which is like, it's really expensive cognac. The animal yeah. parts in there were definitely not legal and very expensive <laughs> animal parts. That and has got to be one of, yeah, that's that's definitely one of the most memorable drinks I feel like anybody so, had. Yeah, and it was, you know, and it was celebrating momentous, just me going off to grad school, so. Yeah, that was fun. That's pretty, that sounds pretty cool. Well, <laughs> let me just say thanks so much, you guys, for jumping on. Honestly, we'll have to run it back because I would love to see what the units look like. We can break down on the back ends, talk more about marketing. For anyone else who wants to reach out, Amari, since you already offered people, how can people reach out to you guys and ask more about Pat's? Oh, yeah. What's your handle? Yeah, my handle. <laughs> it's pretty long, but it's Natalia uh, underscore port underscore Corona. That's it. <laughs> I like it. To help everybody out, if you're watching this on the post play, which 99% of you are, I will link both of their profiles down below so that you can reach out to either of them uh, and ask them all about Pat Split. But Fernando, Amaris, thank you both for jumping on today. I really appreciate it. No, I, I'm yeah, really thank grateful. You. Thank you. Appreciate appreciate you, Josh. Yeah. And if any of you have made it this far, just comment down below, put Pad Split Rocks, just because I want to come back to the video. And then that means you made it to the end. You're the real one. All three of us really appreciate you. And so. maybe that's the reason to, if we get enough of those, we can come back on the second, do a second round. Oh, if you want to look into the numbers, he was ready to share the number. I said, no, save that for, for round two. Yeah. Uh, but I love it, guys. Thank you so much. Reach out to them. And I will catch you guys all on the next one. Cheers. All right, man. Bye.